Good morning. Welcome to the Quincy Church of the Nazarene. Today's date is May 17, 2020. As a, uh, a little housekeeping, I would encourage you to uh, join me and Kathy as we receive the elements of communion tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. Um, so I encourage you to get together some uh, bread and some uh, juice and in preparation for next week's message. The title of this sermon is Do Not Fear with a subtitle, uh, Do Not Fear What They Fear as the World Fears. And I actually gleaned that from the, the text, verse 14, of what we will be reading. Uh, the text, I'll be reading nine verses, but uh, really I'm only preaching out of the first three verses. My text this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll be reading starting in verse 13, and also I'll be reading out of the NIV. <laughs> Excuse me while I... My hair is getting so long and fluffy that, uh, let's start to bother me a little bit. Hopefully, I'll be able to get a haircut legally here. Again, my text is 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 3, 13, excuse me. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 13, and again, reading out the NIV. It goes as follows. Is going to harm you if you are eager to do good. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep on a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when, Christ, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of the dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers and submission to him. Amen. Bow your heads with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. I hesitate to say that we are very familiar with it, but Lord, with great confidence, I can say, your word 
will not come back void. So, Father, through your Holy Spirit, through Christ's presence this morning, would you go before this message, the reading of God's Word, everything that we've heard, the music that we listen to, everything would point towards truth that you want to speak into our lives. And Father, we are not to be a, a people of fear because we have you in us. So Father, we just ask you would empower us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Who is going to harm you if, if you are eager to do good? <laughs> As I was thinking about that statement, I was thinking, man, that's kind of silly. Who is harmed for doing good? I find it kind of hard to even grasp the concept, thinking, wow, this is America. Then I had a chance to reflect about those who may have been harmed for doing good. And of course, Peter lifts up Christ as his example, and rightly so, but he lifts him up as our example as well. He was sinless, and yet they crucified him. In my devotional this last week, Jesus was verbally assaulted by the religious leaders for an act of mercy to a blind man. Why? Because the healing took place on the Sabbath. And uh, later, or we know, out of jealousy as well. Jesus was completely misunderstood by those who were spiritually blind. Peter himself was accosted by the same spiritual leaders when he and John healed a layman on their way to the synagogue. You remember, Peter and John were happily making their way to the temple. A crippled beggar hoping for a, a coin addressed to Peter tells the man to look at them. They were, as, they were poor as well. But what they did have, they were willing to share. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Taking the gent by the hand, the beggar leaps to his feet healed. Acts 3, I'm going to read to you, though, starting at verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power, our godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and whom was made strong, it is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. 
he goes on to say, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That time of refreshing may come from the Lord. The priests and the captains of the temple guards and the Sadducees came up to Peter while they were still speaking to the people. They seized Peter and John, and, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Ah, Peter didn't use it, but what a great example of being harmed for doing good. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them, uh, and they wanted to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, they were, there was nothing they could say. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus at all. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. What did Peter do wrong? An act of mercy? Sharing Jesus? Christ followers, today, today, are we that far behind them in regard of being mistreated for doing good? As I am preaching this morning, I am 63 years old. And I also believe in my lifetime, we will witness firsthand Christians being harmed for doing good even where we live today. However, Peter tells us in our text this morning, 1 Peter 3.14, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. The word usage for blessed is the same as used on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus presented the, that sermon we know as the Beatitudes. But I, I want to zero in on what Peter says next. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Today, fear is our reality. Fear is our, for our lives. Fear for our economy. Fear for the future. 
fear to go to the store. Basically, everything we see and hear in our country today has something to do with fear. This came in the mail this, this past week. It's titled, or it's the advertisement is, After COVID-19, What's Next? And for a, an admission fee, I can learn what is to happen next or what we are to do next. It is not said, but they are playing it on fear. Peter tells us not to fear what they fear. Jesus uh, would really be in trouble today for his actions some 2,000 years ago. <laughs> I'm thinking of when the disciples were huddled together out of fear after the resurrection of Christ. Jesus appears among them. <laughs> uh, that's scary enough to have Jesus appear when the doors are barred and the windows are shuttered and just to have Jesus appear and say, out of nowhere, Peace be with you. Then he proves to him to them that he himself is really the resurrected Christ. And he says again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he does what I was referring to, getting in trouble. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And a day when we were afraid that someone might breathe on us, Jesus exhales life. Peter tells us not to fear what they fear. Uh, that is what the world fears. One time, as Jesus was sending out the twelve to preach, uh, what they saw and heard, he gives these instructions. This is Matthew 10, 26. Do not be afraid of them. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in, the, in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and, and body in hell. Those are Jesus' words on who we really need to fear in our text. I really liked how the New Living Translation words verses 14 and 15. Even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And in the NIV for verse 15, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. It is a phrase that means to sanctify your heart to Christ. And then always be ready to give an answer for what Christ placed there. And then again, verse 15, NIV. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Again, I'm going to refer to the New Living Translation because it says if someone asks you about your Christian hope, if someone asks you about your Christian hope, be ready to explain it. <laughs> 
but do it in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful way to word it? Did you notice the difference? Word usage, though, from the NIV, if the N New Living Translation. The New Living Translation used the phrase Christian hope instead of the NIV, who just used the word hope. Because there's a difference between worldly hope and Christian hope. The dictionary calls hope, unfortunately, a wish. Christian hope is the same as faith. Christian hope is knowing with confidence that what was said in the Bible or by Christ will come about. Huge difference. Christ followers. As, excuse me, Christ followers, we are alive to witness all the fear around us. And yet, through Christ, we are a people of hope. Not hope as the world as, oh, I wished, but a certainty. To this, we must be ready to give a fearful world an explanation of this wonderful hope in Christ. The truth is, I cannot predict what will happen tomorrow. I'm okay with that. Because I know the one who does know what tomorrow will bring. And no matter what tomorrow brings, the one who died for me on the cross will walk beside me through it tomorrow. Will it be hard? Maybe. But I know with great confidence, with Christian hope, that he will be there beside me. In fact, he will be there guiding me. All I have to do is keep my eyes fixed on him. Because of that, Christ followers, we are not to fear what the world fears. If so, we would be frozen like the rest of the world is today because of the coronavirus. With Christ, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are more than conquerors. I'm referring now to Romans 8.33, where the Apostle Paul says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more... Excuse me. Uh... I had to upload a program, and I'm still getting uh, things popping up on my screen. It's distracting me. Let me start over. Romans 8.33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised, who was raised to life? is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship 
our persecution or famine or nakedness, our danger of our sword, as it is written. For your sake, we face death all day long as we, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angel nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> Paul did not fear what others fear, nor did Peter. More importantly, do you fear what the world fears? Christ followers, whatever tomorrow brings, and I don't know it, allow Paul's word to sink into and germinate into the soil of your heart to bring about into uh, us into tomorrow with confidence that you will forever be loved and cared for by God through his son, Jesus Christ. And I say this, and I have a, a little, the, our world is uh, petrified, frozen in place through this pandemic. And I'm not saying we don't need to be smart and, and practice good hygiene. I, I believe in all of that. I believe if, if we can, we should stay home. I, I believe that. But we are not to be fearful about the future. We are to be children of hope because of our faith that God is in control. And yes, there's a time for us to die. I believe that, and I'm not afraid of that. But with great confidence that the one who designed our world is in control. We are to have confidence. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I cannot help but think how timely this message is. Not to fear what they fear. Not to be frightened. Not to be trembling but to live our life with this expectation and knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ goes before us, that everything is in control. Nothing has taken our sovereign God by surprise. So we can say with the Apostle Paul, we are more than conquer conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, Father, my prayer this morning, if we don't have this confidence and then and we are living in a fear, we would grasp these truths that we are not to be fearful of the things that the world fears. We are only to be afraid of the one who has power over life and death. And that we would gladly, wholeheartedly, this morning, choose life in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ.
and that we would keep, keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus, author and perfecter of our faith. Confidently, I say amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Very good. Also, a reminder, next week is communion, so please have your bread and, and juice prepared in preparation for that. Uh, I am excited that you are contacting one another, and I just encourage you to keep that up. And uh, as you contact, take a moment just to pray for them as well, whether it's on the a note or uh, on the phone or even online. Until next week, God bless you. Bye for now.